Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are just as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They're milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker. Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? Get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics and when I have an excuse, German politics. <laughs> Happy hump day, you guys. How's it going? Uh, can't complain. I'm dying to know why. What is your obsession with Angela Merkel? <laughs> I don't know. I just love her. I think it's because, like, yeah. you know, I, like, I minored in German. Like, I learned German. That was, like, my whole thing. Okay, yeah. well, that makes a lot of Which sense. was really only because, like, I have no personal or family connection other than, like, my grandpa lived next to my high school German teacher and my best friend was taking it. But I really, like, enjoyed it and studied abroad in Germany. And I just like German politics a lot. It's very high stakes, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> and, like, she's just, like, the only, like, per- like, what other person has, like, other woman has, like, a career like this? I don't know. I just think it's cool. I'm obsessed with her. Do you like Angela Merkel, Caitlin? I, I'm a, definitely a fan. For me, the most impressive thing is about German reunification and like how smoothly that has gone that we have an East German born politician basically running the country for as long as she did without like any real collapse or backlash. Like if you want to talk about a country that has figured out how to reunify peacefully and really build itself for the future, Germany has to be at, it's the only one on the list. In fact, it's the only one. (laughs) Also, she's a boss. (laughs) Right. She's definitely a boss. I just never really thought of her as like, you know, I I mean, she's great. I never thought of her as like, but now as I'm reading about her, I guess I'm like, okay, yeah. The more you read about her. And yeah, that's the thing is I think that's what I like about her too is that she never like presents as like a badass. But like she always looks like she's having fun in pictures. She's always like memeable. And she just like – I mean, she's from the center-right party. So, like, I don't know enough about the context of German politics to know, you know, they're, the person that's going to succeed her is definitely, like, more, like, liberal and, like, leftist. But she's, like, made some really unpopular decisions. Like, in 2015, she's sort of most known for, like, basically tweaking and loosening the rules to ensure that a hundred or a million Syrians could enter Germany. And this was something that was, like, I mean, imagine the... A reaction in our country if if we offered something like that people would lose their mind they're so like just the like context and the islamophobia that was happening and she was like we can do it and so they did it and she definitely faced like i think what i love about her and the end of her like journey too is that she faced some backlash at the time but like from doing the right thing multiple times she's leaving like the most popular german politician there is the far right in germany is 
a very real concern that like can't be ignored, but they didn't do as well as they were expected to in the last election. So I just feel like it's really rare that somebody can sort of like step away on such a high note. I mean, the pandemic kind of sucks there right now. And the fact that like it's a woman that gets to do it just it just feels good. It makes me proud. Yeah, I think she definitely teaches us all a lesson on going out at your peak and not waiting for (laughs) not waiting to suck before you finally decide to leave. Yeah, I also think that there's a lot about um, feminine political leadership that is uh, embodied here. Um, I think that politically, I mean, center right. uh, Let's talk about like. The, one of the mistakes that she made, austerity policies and the insistence uh, of Germany that everyone had to pay them back uh, when they were doing, this was back in, um, during the 2008-2009 financial crisis. Right. And she insisted on that and it ended up with long-term repercussions, but she learned from the mistake. And I think like that ultimately, like the most important thing to me is that politicians are going to make mistakes they are human beings. If you are in this and you watch politics and you're like, this is, it's really important that my, my person is perfect. Like, right, right. You're exactly. just setting yourself up from disappointment. It's like dating someone and you're being like, wow, you can, we can never argue. Like, that's not how life works. That's not how humans work. You are going to be disappointed. But if you say, well, we can learn from this experience, or I like someone who can pick back up and figure out what they did wrong and understand like what it means to do something wrong in the context of having that kind of power. Yeah, that's pretty impressive to me. I I thought we had a politician who could do that. <laughs> I know, I know. But... The parallels between, yeah, exactly. I know. So the person <laughs> succeeding her comes from the, the, there are a lot of sort of like lessons here, I think. The person succeeding her is this guy, Olaf Scholz, and he's from the Social Democratic Party, which is definitely more like center left. And interestingly, he and his party won this election by really trying to appeal to the voters that they lost to the far right. Um, They really oriented their campaign towards like respect vaguely, um, which seemed to work. They brought a thousand or uh, not a thousand, I'm sorry, a million people that they had lost in prior elections back to their party. So I certainly and and I know Olaf Schultz, like he literally had like Zooms with like philosophers to try to figure out like what it would take in this moment to get people to come back to a reasonable point of view. So I'd certainly love to uh, get those names and maybe send them along (laughs) to a certain DNC. Yeah, definitely. I think there's like, uh, this also could be like the culture of Germany is my guess is that there's like more tolerance for like politicians being politicians, like as a job. Right, right. Like there's not this demand for a politician celebrity who can like wow on the late shows just as he can, you know, wheel and deal in Congress. You know, I don't think the German culture like glorifies that. And that's yeah. thing. I mean, it's so interesting because like he's from a totally different party. But people say that he won partly because he won. The others made mistakes and because he he literally made ads where he would mimic her. He posed his hands in the same way that she does. And he even would use like the feminized version of Chancellor <laughs> to like try to make himself seem as similar what to is her that? as possible. Well, it's just you add like an I N to everything. So it's Consulate and he's just the Consulate, I oh. believe. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know. I feel like I'm just like bugging out about it. I told you, Sammy, because it's like as long as I've known about politics and like geopolitics, Angela Merkel has been the leader of Germany. And now that's changing. So it's just like, oh, the only stability and constant we've had is now gone. 
Well, I like this for you. I like that you have a leader <laughs> who is like not, you know, everyone sort of stands the same people. I like that you stand someone for a very good reasons. Which is why I, I asked what yeah. your reasons were. If we have German um, listeners, they're probably yeah. like, Amanda, we literally elected somebody more liberal. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> she had her time. It's, it's, it's more about sentiment, like sentimentalism, you know? Exactly. <laughs> like, right. whatever. I think when an era is ending, you have to recognize it and you have to have a moment for it. She has been a massive force in German politics, in international politics, and has made some choices that I think really demonstrate the Syrian refugee crisis. And that decision really shows that, you know, Germany is capable of being a multiracial democracy Mm -hmm. And they're doing a better job of it than the uh, the OGs, technically, <laughs> which I suppose we'll get to. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift, because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. That was a fun little uh, girl boss segment before we get into this absolute burning trash fire. This is, I don't know, this 10,000 word piece in the Atlantic, none of which will have surprised you if you've listened to a word Caitlin has said in the year 2021. (laughs) 
<laughs> we're going to get into it. So we're going to discuss this massive article. I'm not sure how long it is because, you guys, I listened to it. And I think every American should have to listen to it because the guy that reads it, I don't think it's the author, but it just sounds like a Ken Burns documentary about something that happened in the past. And it's just like listening to my democracy crumble with this really like charismatic, commanding voice. It was chilling. It was chilling. Oh, yeah. Great. (laughs) Well, it's just easier for me to like read long articles if I just could do it while I wash the dishes. But of course, I kept running over to my computer. And I, you know, I'm one of those people that it's like, I realize I've chosen a job where I just do homework. I'm making fucking outlines every day (laughs) and writing (laughs) summary papers every single day. (laughs) Yeah. That is what your Instagram stories are. They're just, you know, like position papers. Question, when you make them, do you write them, do you type them out in Instagram or do you write them out and copy and paste? That's what I I definitely copy and paste. Yeah. And if you are somebody that does a lot of, my main trick is that if you have like your, all your like iCloud shit connected, if you copy on your laptop, you can paste on your other Apple devices. So it's like very, it's very easy. Yeah. I found out that our content assistant was doing it all on Instagram and that, that horrified me. No, I'm yeah, just writing no. pa- Google Docs all That's day. That's why I'm just doing homework. Sure. <laughs> That's why I'm making sure. Yeah, yeah, that would be, trust me, I would not do that for you. <laughs> yeah. So the article is titled, A Trump's Next Coup Has Already Begun. A subtitle, January 6th was practice. The author's name is Barton Gelman. So we often have heard how the weeks between the election and election certification on January 6th were a stress test for democracy. And how many areas held firm that were really inches away from shattering to Trump's will? I would say that what this article does is it really details how Trump and his supporters have those cracks. That was kind of the point, was a dry run to see where the cracks were. And now they've spent the months since hammering away at them to ensure that they can get this done the way they anticipated last time. I mean, there's lots of details in it that I didn't even necessarily comprehend before. Like, like the Bannons and the Trumps really just wanted the insurrection as like a delay tactic for the Supreme Court to have longer to act. Like they didn't even care what happened that night. There's a lot in this article that I had not heard before, but definitely the most compelling parts to me were showing how the insurrection was like intentionally a practice run. Nobody gave up. Nobody is wiping their hands. This was a beta test and they fully intend on succeeding. So I think the best way to discuss the article is we'll go through and talk about the scariest quotes and excerpts. But I was wondering if uh, we could describe the prevailing emotions we felt while while reading it. Yeah. Um, well, let's just start with like, I don't think they intended it as a dry run. I don't think they were like, this is our beta coup. I think they were trying to make this, you know, coup 2.0, like the, the coup. And because it's hard to coup, they know that like it's not going to stop and that any damage they do benefits them and any accountability that they're not held to will also benefit them. So it just happened to be a beta test because it didn't work. But I think they were, you know, they would have been happy if it did work. Yeah. Flames. Flames on the side of my face. Yeah. You <laughs> can't see them, but yeah. <laughs> that is. This was, yeah. This was definitely like, I felt scared, more scared than angry reading this one, which is unusual for me. No, I just felt a lot of rage because everything you're that I was. Secondary emotion. I was, yeah. I was reading and I was like, oh, this is literally everything that I said. Like, like from the moment it happened, I was like, oh, this is. A dry run to overthrow democracy. 
They're not going to stop. You have to hold them accountable if they're going to do anything. People are, have deep-seated fears about uh, whiteness and uh, racism. And this is, this is overwhelmingly racism. And it's very dangerous and it's genocidal. And then it was nice to have like a person who literally studied genocide be like, actually, yeah, no, it's pretty much, pretty much that, pretty much driving from that. And I was like, well, if only you had literally listened to any black people ever, like any of them, like any of us, well, not any, you know, Clarence Thomas is out there, Kenneth Owens is out there, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> There's right. a lot of us who were like, this is very dangerous. Uh, he seems to be a white supremacist. Um, he's going to murder all of us. What's crazy that there was a line and it's that killed me that was like, um, even the Confederates knew they lost. That's why they succeeded. Like they they even admitted defeat. <laughs> they were like, yeah, we're going to we're going to leave. These guys are like, no, no, no. We're going to take this country. And you guys figure it out. No, they were correct, though. The, the thing about the Confederates, the thing they learned was, first of all, they have time. And second of all, they learned that you can't fight the government from the outside. You need to take it over from the inside, which is why so many anti-majoritarian efforts, you know, the the redistricting could be completely thrown into chaos right now and give Democrats a chance at something if they just repeal the permanent apportionment. I'm sorry, I'm going to continue saying this. It's literally an act of Congress. It literally can be done. We could just throw redistricting into chaos and just say, like, actually, you now have to come up with twice as many districts. Hmm. And that would force at least some opportunity for the districts to start looking reasonable. But that's something no. that's one thing that this article does not do is it doesn't propose the solutions necessarily. I know they exist. Democrats are just gonna give up. They're just gonna give up yeah. and they're gonna let these people run overrun our government. Joe Biden literally does not give a fuck. Like I was the thing that made me so angry as I was reading was like all of this was known January 7th. Like every not every single detail, but the fundamentals of this, any astute political observer who knows anything about American history could have told you. That this was exactly what was happening. I, in fact, was. And I'm not even the best at what I do. But uh, <laughs> Jesus, you guys, like, this was very obvious. And it's heartbreaking. And he's not doing anything. He, Mayor Garland, the whole crew, they're just straight up like George fucking McClellan out here. I can't, we can't do anything. The Confederate Army is too big. Motherfucker. I can't, I can't. Lincoln was just like, please fight people. I'm here being like, I wish we had a fucking Lincoln. Right. What are your thoughts on like the fact that there are a number of solutions and it's just a question of like doing them and no one's doing them. And obviously they probably have like barriers to doing them, but I don't know. Like at what point do you just say, fuck it, we're going to make like this. All that matters is saving democracy by whatever mechanism and like we're just gonna you know it feels like this is an emancipation proclamation moment because 1862 was the year that he was like hey i know this is pretty radical it's only like two years in and by the way this was done like two months before the midterms two months before midterms lincoln was like i think i'm gonna say that we're just gonna we're just gonna free all the slaves in places of rebellion i think that i think we if we do that then we give them a deadline you have until January to stop fighting this war or else we will end slavery, basically. And then they, they, they cried a nice ultimatum. 
Joe Biden is sitting here like straight up being the pre- people that Lincoln was trying to force a situation, force his generals to fight, force. I mean, th- the North, this union has demographic and structural advantages that would crush the rebellion. This is true 150 years ago, and it's true now. And yet, Joe Biden does not want to crush the rebellion. He wants the rebellion to be his friend. He just wants to go back to hanging out with his buds. He does not care. He literally, it doesn't care. He doesn't care how many dead bodies there are. Like, I am getting to the place now where I don't have any mercy for him. He would let the bodies pile up. He's letting it I disagree. I have to say, I don't think that's true. I think it's less willful and more naive, which is like, yeah, it's weird that an 85-year-old man is naive. But like, I think it's, you know, he grew, he aged in like a different environment. He, aged, he came of age during the civil rights movement. Someone needs to like okay? shake this, him. This man was there when King was shot in the head. We, we, do, we are not confused. Okay, he should not be confused about the nature of this opponent. This is insane. I have no mercy. What the fuck is he doing? The end. That's just my, my take on it. Is like it, I've been watching this for too long. He's been alive for too long. He's watched. Do, do you know how many political black political leaders made it to 40 out of that movement? Zero. Medgar, Malcolm, Martin, all dead before their 40th birthdays. And he's saying that somehow mysteriously he doesn't understand what people are willing to do to maintain white supremacy in this country. You were a whole ass adult. You were about to run for, for a Senate. Don't don't pretend. Don't pretend you don't understand. I, I have no space for him not understanding. He lived through this. The, he he was. I guess my question is like, does do, what do you think about like? Do you think that in his mind or in Merrick Garland's mind, I would imagine that they separate like the white supremacy from the things that they have the ability to do in government. Like I almost think that they don't identify that as the root of the problem so those aren't necessarily like the parallels they're making and I mean I think it's pretty ignorant that they're not looking at that as the root of the problem but I I just feel like that's never even you know a motivating factor for for people like a Biden or a Merrick Garland like the people who can really hold accountability to me it makes me think of there was a you know, at the beginning of the Civil War, people called uh, Sherman, General Sherman, crazy um, for many reasons because he was kind of out of it. But like the point is, is that he was like, this is going to be a long, bloody war. It is going to need to be waged at a total warfare levels. You will never have seen what this is going to have to do. These people cannot be dislodged with logic or reason. They cannot be negotiated with. There is no, there. if people are willing to go to war to maintain human bondage, there is nothing you are going to convince them of. Like they, they literally have every disadvantage and they're willing to throw their all their lives away for this. So make them pay. And people thought he was crazy at the beginning of the war. Like this will be over in a handful of months. It will all be fine. There is no one in that administration who is like, this is going to be total war we must dismantle all the way down to the bottom. Every single one of them would like to believe that it's going to be quick and easy and that they don't have to do hard work. They don't have to make hard choices. They don't have to hurt people. 
And it's like, yeah, you kind of have to. And yeah, no, the white supremacists aren't going to be easy targets who are all, that's the thing that came out, right? Which is like, oh, they only 7% were jobless. Like, yeah, okay. The economic power in this country is held by white supremacy. A thing, again, that virtually every every notable black commentator who is not in the thrall of the Republican Party has said, which is like this whole fucking system is wretched and everybody who benefits from it wants to keep it intact in one way or another. And the people who are willing to pr- go to violent ends for that, they are not able to be negotiated with. Like anybody who says like the answer is to break into Congress I mean, Democrats had an election stolen from them, too. We had two elections stolen from us, 2000 and 2016. Both have really sketchy, fucked up shit going on. And we know it. It's not even, like, hidden. Okay, Republicans were sure much like, we're gonna take this presidency. We're just, we're just gonna take it. And Democrats were like, that's sad. Okay, I guess we're gonna fight real hard for things we believe in. Through votes. And Republicans lost fair and square and they know they lost fair and square which is why they're fucking with all the rules now to fuck with elections to keep it possible for them to win with a minority of votes and uh they lost and then they were like we will murder everyone we will just murder all of you rather than let you win an election this is not you have to be aggressive about it so that's the thing i guess again it's very fatalistic i'm sorry i'm sorry to be very fatalistic no i'm honestly like i'm i'm with you like in terms of fatal like fatalism i just feel like i'm like waiting for like it to be for everyone to recognize that it's over you know it's not the country it once was you can't expect the same things that maybe you could have expected yeah, and, I think that's like I think that yeah. they know that it's rooted in white supremacy. I think they're just very naive about whether like the laws of this country are going to stop it, are going to hold like can with that the laws are not stronger than the white supremacy and the people the white supremacists are making and changing the laws and so you need to fix them and change them and use the tools available to you to do it. And like when the article ends, he's explicitly like talks about a speech Biden made in the middle of July saying like, I see all of this, I know it. But he hasn't said publicly the stuff that actually like needs to be done. Like the the radical acts, I mean, that wouldn't even like we're not talking about anything illegal or taking up arms. Like there are literally just like legal things you can do, like change a Senate rule about the filibuster to get some of these laws passed to maybe have a fighting chance of having a fair a fair election in 2024. Do you think the filibuster is sort of like the bottleneck or is it just kind of being blamed on the filibuster? But in reality, there's like barriers that even if that were gone. I have like to assume be- so at this point, because to me, it's like what we're up against is obviously, as we've been saying, so serious that it's so bizarre to me that people aren't just like, let's just break the emergency glass. Like, which, which like, it's it, not even emergency it's glass. Because, it's not even that strong. It's, it's available because to his them. caucus will let the world burn. Like Joe Manchin and, and Kirsten Cinema again, and I, I know this sounds so harsh and I'm, I really feel bad, but they do not care how many people die. I mean, how many, how many they don't. injuries? I will say they, that. They, they, listen, it was the most 
dangerous event for law enforcement officers since 9-11. And they don't care. They're, they're prepping for bigger, more deaths. They want it to happen. They know it's going to happen. At this point, if you are pretending that it will not happen, there are not going to be bodies strewn everywhere. You are lying to yourself and you don't care about human life. It's the only explanation. There's no other explanation. Then why isn't there rational, why isn't there rational desire, which we assume motivates them all the time to keep their jobs and have power? Like, how do we, how do we square that with like, they, no, they, they comprehend and they just don't care with the fact that that means that I mean, Joe Manchin's not going to lose his job. I mean, he could literally shoot a black child. They would never, they, you can see people defended Kyle Rittenhouse. They, he's good. He's good no matter what he does. Chris and Cinema isn't up for election. Republicans will support will support mm-hmm. Joe Manchin. Oh yeah, Republicans yeah. will support Joe Manchin. To switch sides, he'd be fine. If he, shot a black child. If he doesn't switch sides, <laughs> he's also fine. Like there's literally who's gonna who's gonna replace him? He's literally irreplaceable. I actually think he, okay, he's. I don't think he's gonna switch sides. I don't no. think that would help him. But they actually probably love him in the position he's in because he's true. I'm Kirsten Cinema, but like. Really, it's he's the OG in that. Kristen uh, Cinema is in danger. Like she's not going to continue being a senator, but she doesn't care. It was never right. about yeah. being a it's, senator. Mansion, Mansion provides cover for the Republicans, <laughs> and and no, they're and then he also provides cover for Kirsten Cinema to do what if she you need does. fifty votes. If it were if if she were the one holding it up. I don't think she would be able to if last, you, to be exactly. honest. I think she if would If you need 50 votes and you know that two people, there's more than two, by the way, they're also providing cover for all the other Democrats who don't want to do stuff because there's a bunch. There's probably more. They just don't want their names yeah. out there. They want to be able to run because they would be in danger. Um, I don't know necessarily, but yeah. taking shots like probably Mark Warner of Virginia, um, probably... Chris Coons. Chris Coons for oh both of the Delaware delegation. I remember hearing like someone from Delaware, like who took over um, the the seat. Anyway, uh, Tom Harkin, I think, who was like, "Oh, we don't need to impeach him. Uh, censorship is enough." And I was like, "Wow, get the fuck out!" Mm-hmm. Like that Delaware delegation is complete yeah. shit. It's completely useless. Most of the Democratic senators are worthless. Sorry, sorry, Democratic Senate, um, and they know that. And they don't want to be responsible for things. The job of government now is to make sure that your name and profile stay safe and to worry less about the insurrectionists. Someone will deal with them eventually, I'm sure. I mean, and some of them vote. A lot of them vote. So you kind of need to just let it all lie down, you know? And the house, that's their problem. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. So if like if 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 tomorrow or in a couple weekends there were some like huge speech like or or protests or rally and you know millions of people showed up 
in D.C. and said, you need to, senators and Biden, you need to act now. What would be like the most effective asks? What would the, what would our asks be? Like, and the filibuster, filibuster. to do this Mass and the protest, like, and the. I mean, it is at its limit. But the Women's March didn't demonstrate it, which was yeah. the largest of protests in American history. Yeah, it's a it ain't there. It doesn't nothing. have to be a protest. Then I, I I just mean let's assume we had a situation where people were open to a message. I mean, and finally. the filibuster is is the obvious one. They're going to resist it because they're going to say, "What happens when a Republican is in power?" And our answer is going to be, "They're going to break the Republican the Party's ability to function." <laughs> And then we won't have to worry about that for a little bit. Well, that's like this tweet I told Sammy, which is like the best tweet I've ever seen, where it's like, people will say, but what if like, we'll say you need to do this. And then Democrats will basically, it's like, imagine seeing the most objectionable statement ever. And all Democrats do is point out the typo. They're like, no, you star, (laughs) you're. It's like, dude, this, it does not matter where the apostrophe is in this. It matters if we're all going to survive this. I think what's so sad about the article and the situation the article obviously reflects the situation is that like Caitlin said, we're at mass, we're at like the max of mass protest. And it doesn't really matter because politicians respond more to money than they do to their constituents at this point. And that's like established as the norm. And then the other piece is that like, not only was this like the worst event for law enforcement since 9-11, this was like a hand-to-hand combat situation with fellow citizens. And right. the actual and the senators and the co- like the Congress people were the targets, and yet they still won't do anything. So when when law enforcement is fighting hand to hand combat to protect you, and you still don't want to do anything about the people who are trying to attack yeah. you, like I just don't know what more you can say to somebody. Like they were gonna kill you, <laughs> including Mike Pence, especially Mike Pence, and still like. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't understand why these people don't have any self-preservation for their lives or their jobs, which is just very strange to me that they're not taking this seriously. I mean, like I was joking with Sammy, like there's like a plot point in Real Housewives of Beverly Hills this season where it's like this huge article comes out about Erica Girardi and her husband, but like none of the cast members will read it. <laughs> like it's all yeah, the information like they that. need. It's all the information they've been waiting for and want to act on. But they're just like, it's so long though. It's so long. And the one well, person that reads it is like, oh my fucking God. <laughs> Such, you know what like, makes you guys. So I just imagine like Joe Manchin and like Diane Feinstein are just like, I don't know, it's kind of long. Can you summarize it? And it's like, I fucking dare you to read this whole thing and keep doing what you're doing. Although, I mean, I guess Yes, I'm just naive that these people like want democracy and fellow humans to survive. Maybe they just really insane. don't think it's serious enough. They're afraid of the backlash. This is the system that they know and understand. And to change it means to fundamentally alter the structure of the country. And this, again, I know I keep going back to Civil War comparisons. It's good comparison. It's really useful to use your own history. <laughs> Because people keep going like, oh, fascism and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yes, this is all technically true, but we already have in our own history and we already know what the answers are. And it was important for our country to stop being what it was in the 1860s. Like if we had not changed, there's no way we could have advanced as a nation afterwards. It's just true. It's just the nature of that truth, which is like, and there's like a whole bunch of like post-war genocide that machine that was built by the civil war but that's a different discussion um that i'm not as equipped for 
But the point is, is that like the actual war itself needed to change this country. And we, again, for this century, need to change. We cannot continue doing the same things that we've always been doing. We need to reorient towards solutions. We need a country that looks out for more of its people. And we need a country that recognizes that people who are not white are also people. Can't continue using us to move the country forward and then not give us credit or share of the opportunities. That cannot continue. It is untenable. So it's got to change. But if you, if that's who you've been, if that's everything that you've known, if you, if the only, you know that part of the reason you've had opportunities to get power is that you are a member of that majority and that's the reality for your friends and your family. You know that person who's a complete fuck up but somehow has a great job. How did that happen? Is there a person out there who's maybe brown but could be much better at that job and you know it and they know it, but it's their life, it's their comfort, it's their safety. All these people, they're insecure and afraid of what happens in a world that's actually run on merit and not the lie of merit. And uh, they're willing to kill people to defend that. What you're saying reminds me of a quote I um, I read this morning as I was like diving into succession analysis. Um, and this was relevant somehow that it was like America's the only country that went straight from barbarism to decadence and skipped civilization. <laughs> and I think that it that really has been kind of stuck in my head all day, like for you know four hours or whatever. But going but Amanda, I think you're analogy with the uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills specifically is quite apt because if you know the range of the shows and the way that the people in the shows have addressed conflict, Beverly Hills, you could argue, is sort of like the most, is clearly the most like reflective of like aspirational America, like top, what the what the people at the upper echelons are really like. Mm-hmm. And you can see the difference in Beverly Hills versus, let's say, Salt Lake City, where they're willing to get Beverly Hills. They won't even talk about the fact that this woman is living off money that right. was stolen from victims. Yeah. They like don't. They're afraid to say anything. Like they're afraid to of there being a, a backlash on them from her. They're afraid. Like Do- Erica Jane had a very strong Donald Trump energy. I've been saying for a while, but then you look at the like, and that's what I think is like the closest to America in Salt Lake City. They're like. They're going for it, you know, but that's not, but they don't, I don't think that show reflects like American culture in the way Beverly Hills does. It's super decadent. It's super like money over anything, barely have real conversations, produce everything by, so that you look your best and then you present that to the world. And then underneath it's actually just like an immorality fuck fest. (laughs) Like that's, you know. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's I think it's like analogy. they can keep their head under the stand, under the sand, and keep benefiting off of this. But eventually, it's going to be exposed, and that's that's what's going to happen here. All the most, like you said, there's plenty of instances in our own history to show what we're what we're in for. But but the article also, for some reason, I think because Americans maybe because we don't want to really process how hideous our history was, I think we're more convinced when you show us other countries' histories. So like one part that really disturbed me was basically there's there's like 21 million people in this country, if you extrapolate based on the polling, who believe that Trump 
was elected and it is okay to violently install him. That that the fact that Biden is illegitimate justifies violence. Those are numbers. That's what you call a politically violent mass movement in like the academia. This is these are numbers higher than what you saw in Northern Ireland, Ireland in the late 1960s at the dawn of the Troubles, which then there were decades of bloody conflict. And there are a lot of parallels here where you have a group of people that has access, that has access to information, that has access to weapons, that has access to motivation and in this case, they also have access to the people in the state legislatures who are making our laws. And just to close out, I mean, the way that he details how they plan to steal the election is mostly my understanding is in the state legislatures and altering the way that basically the the states would be like, eh, we don't care. Taking some power away from the governors and letting it just be the state legislatures be like, OK, we're going to change the electors. Like, we're just going to change it. Uh, they can do they can do whatever they want. That's what we were worried about, like last year like remember when we were waiting for yeah. like the four people in michigan and like one guy made the right decision yeah. it's like that guy's just removing <laughs> yeah they're just like removing the guy who would make the right decision and exactly. taking power away from any one person who might make the right choice but and yeah the electoral college ended oh, using yeah. the interstate electoral college the the majority uh college compact which basically Mm says a a state has to agree that they will uh give their electoral votes to whomever is the majority popular vote getter it solves that problem the interstate electoral college compact i think is what it's called and basically if you can get yours now that's a place where pressure will still work if you want to talk about where mass movement attention focus, dedication, and organizing work, state-level governments are still extremely open and vulnerable. Please pay attention. Get your, if you are blue in a red state, purple in a red state, or if you're just like not a violent anti-insurrectionist, basically, everybody who's just not a violent anti-insurrectionist, everybody, we're all on the same team, temporarily. We will continue fighting after the violent insurrectionists are removed. Yes? Okay, great. Cool. (laughs) So get your people on board with the interstate compact to end the electoral college by popular vote. This will effectively mean that we no longer have to worry about state legislators apportioning their doing all this crazy sleazy shit. If you get to the, the, um, it's 538. So you need like the 260, right. Um, to get there, you know, like, Cool. Get to 270. Get to get as soon as we get to 270. That automatically means that that person can win if they win those states, and it will put pressure on the other states to do so as well. If there's energy yeah, for that, it, that's where you go. Got it. Well, it is very frustrating to watch the like the Democrat Twitter be like, "Vote to protect election rights." No. It's like we it's did. Bullshit. We voted. You you technically control. They're going to the change our votes. They're going right. to change our right. votes. I, we can't hear this yeah. anymore. It's it's also like these people are death call. Like these, there's like hundreds of people totally. camping out in Texas because they think that JFK Jr. is going to come and become like, vice yeah. president. Like it's it's so there's weird. Like it's mental like fan illness fiction. levels of right. shit here. 
It's like fan fiction. Like, you know when people do fan fiction and they know it's fake. Yeah. So they but they do they make characters gay who aren't. Maybe there are student teacher relationships that happen, but like they it's these people are making like fascist fan fiction, but they're in our government and they're making it real. They don't care about about any about any rules at all. They are fan fictioning their way and they're to fascism. And that's guns. what and that's and not what I think Joe all Biden of this is, is willing to let to you at. know that they're willing to kill you. They're wanting to kill you. <laughs> they're yes. open to your death. Like if you see this and you're like, they're open to your death is a good way to put it. Yeah, they they're open to you death. dying. I mean, this. I mean, the the guy we're talking about just saw you know. Four kids get shot dead by a kid grown by MAGA parents, and that's not unrelated. And then he did his his pictures. So no, I'm not. And then his that he's parents not open to death. trying yeah. to flee the country, right? Like, yeah. like you guys, this is a serious problem. Instead of being like, "Wow, this is a horrible thing. I can't believe we raised a child who did this," they were like, "Nah, we definitely did. Time to get out." Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my. God, this is not good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I So it sounds like sometime next year there needs to be some sort of, I mean, to whatever extent people are open to pressure. But there 2022, needs to be some more, let's some fuck more some novel, shit up. Yeah. Not in a voting way, in a actual making some serious See, 2021, they, January 2021, they came, they fucked up, and now it's time for them to find out. 2022, yeah. find <laughs> well, out. That's, that's, that's an optimistic out. note. Yeah, that's an yeah. optimistic note to end on. Perfect. So we'll just have <laughs> to let them know. <laughs> we'll let them know, yeah. Until the very likely end of democracy. <laughs> I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Sub Podcast. Bye-bye. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales-Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.